Our scripture comes this morning from Psalm 103 as we continue our Shalom series, week three of Shalom. This is Psalm 103, verses 1 through 12. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his way to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Will you pray with me? me now. Thank you, Jesus, for this moment in time, the complexities, the brokenness we see all around. Lord Jesus, we ask and beg for your shalom, your wholeness to restore us from the inside out, for the reconciliation of all things, God, for your glory. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Welcome to Shalom Series, week three. Our title for our sermon today is called Shalom for Our Fractured Souls. Shalom for Our Fractured Souls. It's, it's been a rough week, let's just say it. And as we record this, it's only Tuesday night. Um, looking at the state of the world, it's clear that shalom has been shattered. We say as followers of God that wholeness will be from his life within us. Remember, shalom isn't just the absence of conflict, it's the presence of his peace. And so, what does it mean to be whole? To live wholehearted? Uh, Most obvious, it means the opposite of fractured. Um, This weekend, before all of the Martin Luther King marches, actually on Monday, I was working in my office and there was a huge crash where one of my kids smashed into the dishwasher, smashing wine glasses and plates into his hand. And he lifted his hand up, shattered glass all around, blood pouring out, chaos and mess. Like, oh no. I mean, obviously healing would be necessary, but we couldn't just ignore it and say, ah, it's probably fine. No, fractured things need healed. They need to be made whole. And so we got him the help he needed. But as we move in this message from individual to the collective, it's no doubt that our our nation is more fractured than ever before. Fissures seem to be emerging from all around us, in the church especially. And we ask this question, God, individually and collectively, how will you make us whole again? God, how will you help us see our blind spots See, just ignoring our, our, our brokenness or not rehabbing ourselves will not bring healing. It's not just enough to name the problems and walk away or deny there's a problem and blame others. No, Shalom knows that we need to say something's broken here. And we need to beg the Lord for his peace, his restoration. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace and safety and well-being. It's wholeness which brings feelings of satisfaction and contentment. And that's what this series is about, Shalom, the expansive nature of the gospel. And we've started slow and personal on purpose. And so if you can imagine ever-widening concentric circles, we'll get wider and wider in the weeks ahead. Uh, Next week will be about family systems that Pastor Raul will be preaching into. And then the week after, be shalom between different races and nationalities. And then finally, shalom in all of creation. But before I care about creation, I need to be restored in my soul. Before I can be a peacemaker in the world, I've got to receive his peace for my innermost identity. And so God's desire for us is his shalom would come to shape our souls 
which is essentially our personality. And the key will be to look at our own hearts. Because there is treasure inside of us because we were made in the image of God, but there is also sin and brokenness. Church, I'm concerned for your soul. So we want to know this treasure of shalom, but to get there, self-awareness will be needed. To grow in shalom, honesty and vulnerability will be required. I've been reading this great book called Soul Care with my, with my spiritual mentor, and in the, in the book, the author writes that you'll never rise above your level of self-awareness. The things we deny about ourselves are the very things that deny us from the fullness of God. Hey, Scott, if this is a sermon about behavior, I'm not listening. No, no. We're going deeper than behavior because to experience transformation, we must go deeper than behavior and get to the issues of our heart. And so the author of Soul Care writes this, that God is far less concerned about our behavior than we think, and he's much more concerned about our hearts than we'll ever know. God knows that if we get our hearts healthy and rightly aligned with him, our behaviors will follow. But if we get our behaviors in line without dealing with the condition of our hearts, we'll become Pharisees at best. We'll be left with dark places in the soul and a life full of judgment, not love. The key then to knowing peace in your soul is to look at your heart. See, if we're following Christ, there's no hiding. There's, there's no pretending. Secrets are toxic to the well-being of our soul. And shalom, remember, is this word of peace and welfare and completeness in our innermost identity. And so today we're going to look at God's vision for wholehearted living. And then we're going to look at our fractured present tense. And then we're going to end with a future hope for God's victory to learn about peace for our fractured soul. Let's start here at the beginning. God's vision is for wholehearted living. And if you look at the first five verses from Psalm 103, now look at this. Praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul, our identity, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. A super practical about God's vision for peace for our mind, will, and emotions is that peace isn't something you can just will for yourself. We must look upon God in order to be healed and redeemed, that the peace is God's work for us to receive. And, and the writer of the psalm says that our youth will be renewed like the eagles. What does that even mean? When I was a fisherman, I loved to watch the eagles. And one of my tricks was trolling for salmon. If we had accidental catches of rockfish or perch, we would feed the eagles. We would identify an eagle, didn't matter how far off, and we would, we would bonk the little rockfish, and then we would throw it out. And every time, that eagle would swoop down, and bam, he would get a free lunch for us. Because the eagles were able to feed themselves because they waited and they watched. They waited and they watched continually, continuously. And church, that's hard for us to deal with our souls, to look at our hearts, because busyness is a huge distraction to knowing peace in our souls. Because a soul that's always in motion will rarely experience peace. But this is what we need to hunger for, is that, God, would you allow us to slow down even in chaotic times to experience your, your, your soul rest? Psalm uh, 46 says that God is an ever-present time in, a, in, in, in trouble. That though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with a surging, that God can bring peace and shalom. 
peace is meant to be more important even when the mountains quake. And so that it means that when we're meant to be wholehearted, even in the midst of shaking times, it means that we have a place to go when the shaking starts. It means that shalom, peace in our soul, doesn't come after all the trouble ends. No, Jesus' promise of peace comes in the middle of our storms, in the middle of our trouble. And so it means as we enter into our lives and our work and our relationships with a sinnerness with Christ, we desire to see others know his peace. That's his vision. That was his intent and his vision for our lives from the beginning, that we would know shalom in our souls. That's the vision. But we have this fractured present tense. It's the second point of our sermon here, our fractured present tense. And the trouble for many of us is that we can't heal what, we're, what we won't name. I've said it before that we, what's not transformed will be transferred. And honestly, I feel like this sometimes. I'd rather let things go than take a good hard look at the state of my soul, my foundation, my heart. And when I look into the church, I want to say two different but equally true things. People of faith need radical acceptance of themselves and a vulnerable humility to seek more of God in their innermost beings. This radical acceptance paired with vulnerable humility will allow us to both accept the image of God in me and be a shalom bringer as we see the image of God in others. And so the Bible story that I want to tell you that illustrates this need for radical humility comes from the Old Testament, the book of Judges, the story is a young man named Gideon. Now Gideon's an insignificant son of an insignificant man of an insignificant tribe in the middle of Israel. You get the point. But his story is illustrative to us to see radical humility at play. And so in the book of Judges, this story takes place in Judges 6 and 7. The nation of Israel has departed from God, but they get tired of being under siege, and so they turn to God because the enemy was everywhere. It's nothing like trouble to turn us back to God. The, the people of Israel were living in caves and living in, fair, in fear. They, they'd had enough, and then they cried out to God, and then an angel of the Lord chose to intervene. Now the angel appears in Judges 6 to the youngest son of the smallest tribe and says this, Judges 6, 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared, to this Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But here's the problem. See, Gideon couldn't see his wholeness. He only saw his fractured present tense. At the time the angel went to him, Gideon was smashing wheat down in a wine press. He was hiding. His identity stolen. His pride vanished. Hope eroded. This is where God went to redeem him. Where God said, I am with you, mighty warrior. And I just love that. I mean, can we just, can we just declare that word over us at church that we're mighty warriors even when the world is shaking? But Gideon was unable to have this message of wholeness because he saw brokenness all around. Look at Judges 6.13. Look what, look what Gideon says. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, Judges 6.13. But if the Lord's with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? But now the Lord's abandoned us. Do you love that honesty and vulnerability? I mean, when you read the Bible, really read, you see this incredible thing. God often chooses people who feel like they're broken to work towards his wholeness. God loves surprising characters because he sees in broken people an ability and willingness to be used. This is good news. And then the Lord said to Gideon, go in the strength you have and save your people. Once more, Gideon responding, not from wholeness, but from his brokenness. Verse 15, Judges 6. Pardon me, Lord, but how can I save Israel? I'm the weakest tribe. I'm the most insignificant in my family. 
I love this verse. I love this radical honesty. I love that Gideon struggles with God's identity because of his own vulnerability. And he names these things to God. He doesn't run from them. He brings them to God. See, we don't have to hide from our fears. We can name them to God. And what did God do with this honesty, this radical vulnerability, this brokenness? God spoke shalom over Gideon, wholeness. Judges 6.23, listen to this, it's incredible. The Lord said to him, shalom Gideon, peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. And you got to read the rest of the story this week in Judges 6 and 7. It's surprising. Because facing an army of 135,000, Gideon took 32,000. He was outnumbered by 75%. Seems like impossible odds, right? And then God said, there is still too many. Because God says, you have too many men. I can't deliver the enemy into your hands or else you're going to claim credit over it. You'll say, my own strength has saved me. And so God willed down 32,000 to 300 And from this almost ridiculous mismatch of only 300 people, God gave victory to Gideon because God wants to use broken people to restore whole things. This God, this Yahweh, this God incarnate Jesus Christ likes it when we lean on him instead of ourselves. And so humility and vulnerability will be needed for the church in the season ahead. Said author Brené Brown, the irony, she says, and I quote, the irony is that we attempt to disown our difficult stories to appear more whole, more acceptable, but our wholeness, even our wholeheartedness, actually depends on the integration of all of our experiences, including our falls. And so moving from broken to whole is to claim the vision that God has for you and name in vulnerability and humility that which blocks out your peace. Where your, where your anxiety is peaking instead of rest. Where your white fragility is triggering defensiveness instead of being an ally to people of color. Where your bank account or your portfolio gets more attention on the daily than God's word. Need I go on? And I'm in this with you. I get tired. I get lonely. I get anxious. I feel broken. And over and over and over, God says, now you're ready to be made whole. I just experienced this again Friday. See, Friday's my day off. It had been a hard week. And the kids had Zoom school. And Heather had time on a phone call with a friend. So I snuck away and I drove to the mountain. I spent just a few hours skiing. And I was listening to worship music by myself, skiing like a madman, riding the chairlift in awe and wonder, looking up at the mountain like the psalmist said, I lift my eyes up to the mountain. Where does my hope come from? My hope comes from the Lord. And I'm on one of these solo chairlift rides, and I was thinking and naming literally all my failures of the week. And then I prayed, Lord, I'm doing such a poor job. I'm doing such a poor job. And I confessed all my failures to perfection, of perfection to, to the Lord. The meal, one night I forgot to cook dinner for my kids. That's not good as a dad. Uh, I had a meeting with leaders of color that I led really poorly. I had missed some quiet times. I just laid it out. God, I'm doing a horrible job. And from that place and that posture, I started to just cry and cry and cry. Because God was reminding me that when I feel broken is when he can work his peace within me. See, shalom won't come from my busy. Shalom won't come from my fearful. Shalom won't come from my shameful. No, shalom comes when outnumber, I lay my brokenness to the Lord. And then he says, my victory awaits. 
And I guess that's where I want to leave us, that there's a promise that awaits. We need some good news. The promise of shalom awaits. It's what we've been invited into. That God wants us to live into this full life of peace in your soul. Back to Psalm 103. Look at verses 8 through 12. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sins from us. Church, God knew you before he formed you, and God does not make mistakes. He's not made a mistake with you. But Christ living in us is intent on redeeming all of the broken parts of our story. And our role in that process is letting the truth and power of Christ do its work as we bring those broken parts into the light. And so what distorts this vision of shalom in you? Is it shame? Is it abuse? Is it someone who told you that you were broken? They're all, they're all lies. It's all lies used by the enemy to keep you in prison in a false narrative. Now be set free from the almighty God who wants peace for you in your soul. Because as you name your brokenness to God, he will redeem you. He brings broken things to wholeness. That's just where I want to restate us. That's where we've been in this message. That God's got a vision for wholeness that's been fractured, but we're living in a state of chaos and present tense brokenness. But God's goodness through Christ awaits for those who do the deep work of the soul to be remade whole by the Spirit of God. So church, what if you believe this to be true? What if God's word over you that he's chosen to bless you is true? Like back to that Gideon story, when he succeeded, he named his vulnerabilities. He didn't hide them. And God took that posture of humility and made him into a mighty warrior. You would think for warriors, God would take the mighty, the perfect, the ones without issues. No, God likes using broken ones. Praise be to the Lord. God took the 32,000 and made it 300 because he said, Gideon, when you feel small, when you feel the mountain shake, that's when you can bring your whole self to me. I want to remake you. I want to rebuild you. And God spoke over him, shalom, peace, don't be afraid. And Gideon had victory. And then in the story of Judges 6 and 7, Gideon built an altar to the Lord. And altars were places where God's people stopped doing and they just worshiped God. And God, uh, sorry, Gideon built an altar. And what did he call it? He called his altar, get ready, the Lord is shalom. The Lord is peace. Do you love that? Like, Where does God want to bring shalom over you, Bethany North? Where does God need to bring victory for you? Where does your identity need to be solidified in God's power, not your own? What brokenness does God intend to make whole for his glory in your life? Church, look at me. Like, really look at me in this moment. We're busy and we're shaking and we're weak, but in the Lord, we've been granted his victory, peace, security, strength, wholeness, shalom. Will you receive it? Will you build an altar in your life right now? Will you name a victory God has given you or a name or name a place that you need God to move? See, we're building altars today as a church. But in the Old Testament, altars were places of sacrifice. So this is gonna take some work on your part. 
Remember that quote from the beginning. You'll never rise above your level of self-awareness. The things we deny about ourselves are the very things that deny us from the fullness of God. So open yourself up to how the Spirit of God wants to go deeper than behavior. Where the Spirit wants to minister to those fractures and raw spots and broken places. Where the Spirit of God wants to speak the word victory over you and through you. Speak the words mighty warrior to you. To see you move to his shalom, his perfect peace that can only come when you're filled with his presence. Will you pray with me now? Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you like to take broken things and make them whole. That you like to take big armies and reveal their smallness. That you can use us when we do that deep work of our own hearts. Lord God, we confess that for many of us that we've been seeking the, just the external behavior, not the deep identity work of being remade in your, in your image. God, would you move us as your people to worship you, to be filled by you, to receive your shalom, your wholeness in our inner life. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's close.